We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I'd like to invite you to come to a webinar this Wednesday about trauma-informed practices for your school. Now, I've been to a lot of trauma-informed practices trainings, And mine's going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to bombard you with theory. I'm going to help you take actionable steps that very day so that your next interaction with a student or a teacher who's struggling can be turned into a positive interaction. Go to transformativeprinciple.org slash webinar to sign up for this awesome opportunity. That's transformativeprinciple.org slash webinar. My name is Jennifer Kronk from the Assist Learning Podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is episode 263. I am excited to chat or continue my chat with Kelly Young from Education Reimagined. And we're going to talk about equity in this interview. And I hope that you enjoy the conversation. It's pretty powerful. And thank you so much for listening to Transformative Principle. Here is my interview with Kelly Young. My next concern, which is that as we start to give kids more control, they're going to learn different things at different times and in different places. And if I can illustrate that with a story, that might be better. At my school, students are, are doing these plays right now in English class. And so some students are the actors. One student is the director of each play. Uh, actually, two students are co-directors, so they can work together. And other students are doing the set design. Other students are doing the playbill. Other students are... Uh, making the dinner that's going to be served at the performances. Those kids are all learning 
different things and have different levels of work in that process. And so one of the fears that we have is that, well, this kid's not going to learn everything else that this kid needs to learn because what the director needs to know and what they're able to do is much different than what the actor does and the set designer and and all that kind of stuff. And so we start to think, oh, I'm not doing it right because not everybody's learning the same thing. What is your response to that, that kids are learning different things at different times and maybe never learning the the skill of being a director because they're never given that opportunity? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the first thing is to um, acknowledge the myth that that's happening right now, right? We have a notion that because we taught the same thing to all kids at the same time, that somehow there's some learning... The same learning is happening. And we all know, just from personal, forget about as a teacher, just thinking about yourself personally, the classes that you did pass um, and maybe even got an A in that you could say nothing about now, about what you learned. And other people who actually used that and are using that in their careers and and actually do remember like what they learned in uh, biology class, because that's something that's relevant to their their career. So having memorized something and been able to pass a test is not the same thing as actually learning it. And so there's, so one is just acknowledging kids are not learning the same thing right now, even though we might be teaching them the same thing. And so in, in terms of what it's going to take to be successful in the 21st century, it's an interesting question. And one that's probably the most perplexing for people and the most challenging is to think okay, do we really need standardized outcomes for all kids? Do we want, you know, all people coming out of K through 12 the same? And I think most people would say, no, we don't. And intuitively, we know that once you get into a career, right, and why college is so fun is because you actually get to specialize in the things that you're good at, that you want to do, and that you're going to use for the, you know, that you want to be a part of your life. And it's a time of exploration to also rule things out that you just want to try. And and so there's no reason that K through 12 can't be the same thing. And it doesn't mean that we don't have some core competencies that we want everybody to have, right? That literacy and being able to communicate and, you know, quantitative and qualitative reasoning. But that doesn't mean that everybody has to know, you know, algebra two or calculus and that everybody has to study necessarily biology and chemistry, that we have hundreds of sciences now that didn't exist at the last turn of the century that we don't teach, right? And we don't have a problem that kids aren't learning computer science or brain science. (laughs) So there's a freeing up if we're capable of it to actually realize that just because they sat through a class doesn't mean it happened. And if we give kids much more experiences and diverse experiences, just the fact that they didn't direct in that doesn't mean in the next project, they're not going to want to be the director not of a play, but the director of a, you know, of a building a park bench for the local community, right? And learn directing in that way. And so it's in an educational system, you know, there are people who do not want to be an actor, right? And there are people who do not want to be the director. They want to be behind the scenes. And we have those experiences all throughout. In another class, Every single student is required to give a speech. So the speeches vary because of what the kids decide to talk about and they have different ideas and beliefs about what that is. Um, But every student is required to give that speech because 
the idea of giving a speech is valued and expected from every single person because there's value in that skill in standing up in front of people and communicating an idea. And so, so that is different than the English class where they're doing plays. And so just within the same school, those two differences exist. How do you, how do you reconcile that? You know, is, is the kid who's not in the play class being disadvantaged because they're not participating in those parts of a play? And is the kid in the, not in the, who's not in the speech class being disadvantaged because they're able to stay in the background and not be part of the big production yeah. where everybody has to speak? Yeah. So, you know, in a, in a wholly different design of education, you would uh, be developing pathways for young people, right? So what are the competencies that are necessary for them to be successful in life? And it's a conversation with parents, with the child and with the educators, right? So public speaking is one that I've noticed a lot of schools build in as a, as a something that every child should be able to, to do and make that something that's a priority, partially because it's so scary that once kids get over the fear of it, they actually realize they have a lot to say <laughs> um, and have a lot of, that's valuable and wanted in the world and are no longer scared to, to share it. And if a child really thinks acting and, and is going to be part of their future or theater is going to be part of their future, like wanting to, to do that or because they want to experience it and see if it's something. So it's not, there's no way in this day and age that all of your learning is going to happen in K through 12. What our goal is, I think one of the goals should be that we prepare kids to be lifelong learners, to have discovered uh, many of their passions, if not their purpose, to be able to pursue whatever they want to pursue and do the learning that they need to learn. Even if that learning is the kind of boring learning <laughs> in a traditional college, that we need to be able to prepare them to do that. But we don't do that by doing it to them. So yeah, kids won't they're, they're not getting the same experiences now. They won't have the same experiences, but there are certain competencies that I think, you know, as educators and as kids and as parents that we do all want for, for young people. And if we don't, that should be allowed too to say, you know what, we have kids who aren't ever going to be capable of public speaking. Um, and, you know, we have severely disabled children who are going to have, are not going to be able to achieve at the same level. And that should be okay. And we don't have to see them as deficits. We should still be able to bring our, um, seeing the assets that they have and the gifts that they have and develop those to the furthest extent that they can. Yeah. And, and because people who have listened to my podcast know one that I have a daughter with Down syndrome and that I'm a very big advocate for pushing those kids to excel as much as they can. I don't want them to misinterpret what you just said to mean that we have lower expectations for those kids, but that we have an idea of what they are capable of based on a specific disability and then building systems and plans and support so they can overcome that and still be positive contributing members of society that have lives, have families, have everything that they need to be successful in their own personal definition of that. I shall make sure that I clarified that so that it came across the right way. Absolutely the way I meant it. And um, if it did not come across, you know, the current system, because we measure everything by a standard stick, anybody who doesn't measure up in that standard stick is seen as some, what they are not capable of. 
Exactly. Yep. And we want to see, be able to see children in what they are capable of. And so everything you said was beautifully stated. Yep. And so that gets to the point that many critics have of this kind of approach is that this is now an equity issue where families that are poor and families that are uh, minorities in our in the United States specifically and, and other places as well, that they're not going to have the same opportunities because we don't have a standard stick against which to measure them. And in our district right now, I mean, we just barely looked at the suspension rates of our African-American students. And that's something that we need to be better at. And I believe the way we deal with that is that we give them opportunities to do things that are better for them because they are individuals and not the same as every other kid in our school. So let's talk a little bit about equity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is a conversation that is incredibly complex and a lot is going on, right? So, and there is a, a belief that having a standard stick somehow is a safeguard for all kids being treated the same. And the reality is we have a standard stick and things are not all the same, right? So it does shed light on something. And that is, we never want to take the light away from that we have a society that does not treat all kids equally, right? We have our own biases, our own, without even knowing it. So one thing is, is as learner-centered educators and as educators generally, and as parents and as human beings, constantly examining what bias might we be bringing and how might we not be culturally sensitive, right? To, you know, a classic example that I just heard from a young person um, sharing this. She said, I was the only uh, African-American in a class, an AP class. And when she went into, she was excited to be there because it was actually for the first time she thought she might actually be challenged (laughs) because she was bored in all of her other classes. And when she came in late, the teacher didn't say anything. When other kids came in late, they would say, you know, a minute lost is a minute of learning lost. Like you need to be here on time. So she tested it out with the teacher. She put her head down on the table and she pretended to sleep and the teacher did not wake her up and she dropped that class. And the reason she did is because she didn't want to be in a class where the teacher didn't care about her. Now I can imagine a scenario. I have no idea what was going on in the teacher's mind, but I can imagine a scenario where the teacher was thinking, you know, that this is an African-American young person who was homeless at the time who needs sleep. And I'm going to be more sensitive to the fact that she needs, you know, when she comes in late, she's dealing with a lot and I'm going to allow that to happen. The reality is how that gets interpreted by a young person is you don't care about me. And so the actually the exact opposite of what the caring that the teacher thought she was providing was exactly the thing that signaled that this teacher doesn't really care about me. So, so one, there's a lot of work to be done about, um, and this is, also about building relationships with young people so that those miscommunications can actually be surfaced so that they don't linger on. But believing a standard stick is somehow going to make it something equitable is also an incredible fallacy. There are a lot of things we need to focus on for equity, but I would say that the standardization of schooling is actually to the, to the most detriment to kids who have been traditionally ill-served by the system because it 
it doesn't allow for them to be to bring their full human selves. It doesn't get allow them to bring who they are, their interests, their culture, their community, and to have authentic conversations about who they are in in the classroom. So equity is has to be at the forefront of any educational movement, and I would say that it is at the forefront of learner centered. It's again getting rid of the fallacy or the myth that somehow having this standard is this standard measuring stick is doing anything but shedding light. That's yeah. the limit of what it's capable of doing. Yeah, I think that that's really powerful. And in in my school right now, we're doing this thing called Synergy, and we have a group of African American students that have created a step team that does performances, and and it's amazing and wonderful and so exciting. And what is so cool is that there are a lot of non-African-American kids on that team as well. And they have been a model of embracing diversity by saying, by not saying, excuse me, by not saying this is an African-American thing and you don't get to participate in it because you're white. And they have included those kids and they have uh, been patient with them as they've learned to control their bodies in ways that they don't and that they haven't started with and they've they've put those kids in charge of the backstage stuff of designing a website and taking videos and and you know documenting the process along the way and it's been amazing and and we had a student from that group who recently uh moved out of state and the emotion that was there because this kid was leaving was so powerful and as we talked through it with these kids, we saw the things that they were learning were so much better than anything that we could have ever tried to teach them in a classroom. Like we could not have made the connections and communicated with them in a way that they would have cared at all, at nearly as much as they did when, when they were the ones who were leading the charge. And what's so amazing about that is that it was all created by them. And my role as the principal was to say, yes, go ahead. And my assistant principal last year, my assistant principal this year, they've been the ones working directly with them and giving them leadership coaching and guidance and totally student-centered because neither one of those assistant principals knew how to do step dancing. And so they couldn't be a dispenser of information for those kids they could only be a facilitator and a coach and seeing those kids blossom and take on leadership roles and do things that our current system does not expect of them and then go way beyond that is is really amazing and inspiring and there's no way that we can capture all the things that they're learning and it will never show up on a report card because the kind of things they're learning are are so different from what we typically measure. And it's a beautiful illustration of, of all the things that we've talked about so far. And really, those kids have the best education in our school right now because it's designed specifically for them. Mm. And I have about 20 other stories about other synergy groups that are doing projects where they care about what's happening. And the things they're learning are vastly more important and way more meaningful than anything they get in a regular classroom on a typical day. And no offense to my amazing teachers who work super hard to do great things during the day, but there's no way they can measure up against 
what happens when we give kids the opportunity to do things for themselves. Yes, absolutely. (sighs) All right. And I love hearing about that. That's exactly the kind of aliveness and the humanity that gets to be for both educators and for kids. Like this really is about freeing up all of us. It's not just it while the focus, because we are committed, this is the education system is on the young people. This process of transformation is actually incredibly liberating for the, uh, the educators as well. Once the, the fear of kind of stepping into it goes away and some of the skills for how to do it are developed. So the last question that I asked Kelly, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. The last question that I ask is what is one thing that a principal listening right now can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? It's a great question. I would say um, to do two things. So for a principal, the job is really listening and being a team with the educators and for the teachers being a team with the kids. Like so flat, it's seeing it as a flat organization rather than a hierarchical one. So I would say that there's, if there's one thing is actually asking, you know, five young people and five teachers, like what it's like for them and listening. What is it like being in the school? What is it like for you? And seeing if they're willing to actually share with you. <laughs> but if they are, right? If they are to, yeah. And, and to continue to do that. Because I think far too often we assume how things are for people rather than actually getting related to the experience that people are actually having. Yeah, that is fantastic. Kelly, would you share how people can connect with you and learn more about you and the work you're doing? So absolutely. So our website, um, as mentioned before, is www.education-reimagined with a d.org. My email is kelly at educationreimagined.org with no hyphen. Um, And yes, please reach out if you're interested in any of the work that we're doing. Okay, great. Thank you so much again for being part of Transformative Principle today. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. And I just want to commend you on the work that you're doing and all of the people listening. This is hard work. There's no roadmap. You're paving a whole new way for the future of kids. Um, So I'm just grateful for the courage and persistence that, that you bring. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.